Hey there, welcome to The League Life with Brooksy and Shanaz. We call it The Lockdown Life because we are living a life that is locked down. My name's Shanaz. I'm here with Brooksy, who's typing on the other end when he shouldn't be. Brooksy, how you going, my friend? I'm great, mate. How are you? What a what a week has already been. A beautiful day today in Sydney for a it Tuesday nice. morning. It is nice. It yeah. is nice. Now, you got to... Been gotta, busy, mate. Yeah, yeah, working from home and... Got a little yep. person, a little person in my life, and it's, oh, uh, a little person. Where'd you get the little person from? Uh, one night in Las Vegas, actually. Um, now, uh, Brooksy, yes. what about Lara Bingle's mum? <laughs> Shazza, how is Shazza going? Sounds like she's not doing too well. Well, unacceptable uh, living quarters. She's staying at the Urban in Newtown, which I know very well because I've stayed there a few nights on a few occasions. Yeah. And I'm going to say it's a, it's a four-star. It's not a five-star. It's a four-star in, in certain parts of the, of the hotel. And I've never once had a complaint there. And uh, I'm a little surprised to see that the Worthington lady from the Shire is uh, complaining on behalf of her mum. I'm having a look at the photos here, Shnaz. It looks a bit rustic. It's not... Um, it's rustic, four yeah. Stars is, four stars is probably a stretch. But, um, yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. Like, yeah, it's funny because you see this uh, concrete slab-like roof photo there, but I'm sure that's all the rage in Newtown. It is. Um, you know, like, I, I don't know. I don't know. Like, you, you're more of a Newtown person than me. I like... Mm. Like my um, leafy streets of the east and the um, salt air of the northern beaches, but uh, I think uh, this is kind of kind of hipstery. I don't yeah. know. Yeah, so it's it's built on the old Newtown RSL location, right down yeah. from yeah, 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 Newtown yeah. Station. It's a really great location, and yeah. right next to the Midnight Special, by the way. And uh, it's it's okay Great if it's not place. four stars it's 3.8 like there's nothing wrong with it put it that way even for someone who's used to yeah. richer conditions shall we say uh yeah anyway i was surprised by that brooksy you've got so, a hair, you've got a haircut you've had a haircut i can see. yeah so I, I had a trim i put a photo up on my socials the other day of how like I was sitting next to my kramer poster in my living room and the resemblance was uncanny schnaz and uh, it, it was the inspiration to get a trim. Now, it's funny you say that because last night I saw one yeah. of my favorite episodes, The Apartment. And at the start yeah, right. is when he's moosed up. Oh, yeah. And he That's looks good. exactly like you. <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> like I saw it with that I do. Yeah, people say I give off a bit of Kramer vibes, uh, the way I act and the way I look, the curly hair. But uh, Definitely the way you yeah, are. Yeah, he's feel, de feel... definitely an inspiration in life. Uh, I live by myself. I steal milk and um, <laughs> Snapple from my neighbor across the way. I, I feel like... charge uh, in, I slide in through the door. I feel like I cut you off before and you were very angry at me. Yeah. Yeah, I, I was sort of getting into the Lara Bingle story. Let's go really back. I haven't heard so much of Lara and her parents before. But Let's do it. I... Yeah, what cruising? What about the? Was she, was she on a cruise ship? Let's just say she Is was. That why she's been locked down? Let's just I say she know. was. So we don't know for sure if she was on the Princess Mary or whatever it was. But if she was, what would you think? <laughs> You're setting me up here. You know how much I hate cruise ships. I've never been on one. <laughs> I um, I know 
<laughs> you've you got, you, you've got a really, really strong uh, educational no, opinion on this, having not been on one. You, I've lived around the harbour for the last few years, and you just see them come in, and you just go, "Nah, no way!" And no one should get off. Don't let them off. Why? Why are we letting them off? And you know what? This whole recent story has just solidified my. I guess, stance into cruise ships. Like I saw this really funny uh, Bill Burr stand-up. Well, it's funny and it's a bit dark, but he was like, you know, with the population problems, we could really start with just bombing cruise ships. <laughs> and I was like, oh, Bill, that's a bit rough. And that's then I was extreme. like, oh, wait a second, wait a second. There is a lot going around the ocean. Hey, Shaz, they're not yeah. helping the environment, are they? Look, what you're saying you're is... Dumping feces into the ocean and like... Like paying minimum wage for staff, like it's it's a disgusting industry. I'm sorry, it's just there's bane trees, there's disease everywhere. There's there's been really bad stories on the high sea, the Pacific. Um, oh, mate, we could it's something we could all do with it. Send us in tweets, messages, what your thoughts of the cruise ship industry are. Um, at Shinazi Footy is a good one. Um, he can respond to all yours, uh, all your responses. But yeah, I'm 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 off it. I'm sorry. I've probably alienated half our listeners. So all fourteen of you, I'm sorry. But yeah, it's uh, I'm not surprised. That's where a good chunk of our um, coronavirus infectees have come off a cruise ship. So what you're saying is keep them on the cruise ship and just keep sailing away, so to speak. Don't let if, they're not if they're not happy with this accommodation, get back on your boat and go back out in the ocean until it all <laughs> rides out and see how good that is. Your little balcony. Like, seriously, Shaz. Are you telling me that... I'm not surprised uh, they're complaining. Are you telling me that the people working in the fake casinos on the cruise ship are on minimum wage? Uh, I've heard stories and I've seen documentaries. Uh, John Oliver and um, Hassan Minaj have done good um, eye-opening stories on the industry. Right. Uh, both, I think, mainly in the the Caribbean. Uh, but yeah, there's. It's not. It's dodgy. It's dodgy as. And um, yeah. But I want to segue to something that involves gambling on the seas. Uh, Ozark season three. Schnaz. Oh. Yes. Finished done? it last night, did it finished? in four nights. Yeah, I finished it. It was sensational. No spoilers? Uh, no, spoilers. Of, no, no, no. I'm not going to tell any stories. Okay. Best, I reckon best season I've seen over the past few years of any show. Ooh. Uh, suspense is great. Builds nicely. Great performances. Like I said last time when we were chatting about the show. Okay. Bateman and Linney are just superstars. Oh. The cameos in it. It's just brilliant. Like the the acting's so good. Um, Ruth, who's one of the local girls in the show, like she, her character is just brilliant. Comes out with some amazing one-liners. It's a it's a great watch. I, I if if people haven't watched from season one, it's something in this lockdown life that you can just settle in. It's a slow build. It's great. I real feel I feel sorry for people that have started Tiger King before it because uh, it's going to pale in comparison to this show if they spend enough time and watch it. Now, before we get into rugby league, which is our bread and butter, and we will get there really yep. soon, we promise. Um, Brooksy, thirty for thirties, 
Did you watch the Michael Vick uh, docos? I haven't seen it yet. I okay. haven't seen the Michael Vick one. So yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm really intrigued to. I'm halfway through. There, I think there's two two-hour ones. I'm not sure if it's, there might be a third one. I'm not sure, but basically, the first two-hour episode is finished, and it's getting down to uh, the uh, most controversial part of his career. Um, the dog fighting. The dog fighting. So Michael Vick, yeah, yeah. if you don't know, was a genre-defining. Uh, genre-changing genre quarterback in the NFL, uh, African-American uh, southpaw, correct, Brooksy? Left-handed? Am I making that Let, up? Let's say for people that know the NFL, yeah, he was left-handed. Yep. Uh, for people and, that know the NFL now that aren't too across it um, from previous decades, he's pretty much Lamar Jackson um, at, back then. Like, he really Revolutionized the running game from Incredible. the quarterback perspective. Incredible. Uh, he was just an athlete, and uh, Atlanta's fortunes just turned overnight drafting Vic. So he was the he was first. Virginia Tech, I think he was. He, he like, was. I him he was. Out and I was. I remember when he was uh, um, in college watching Sports Center back in the day with the great late Stuart Scott. Booyah! Yeah. There was a lot of good um, commentary from his uh, college highlights. He was just an absolute superstar at college. Like, you could tell it was going to translate to NFL. And, yeah, I, I'm actually looking forward to seeing this documentary. Tell me a bit more about it, mate. So you're going to love it because there's lots and lots of footage of him at Virginia Tech. And yeah. it's it's him looking back on his life. And it's been a very um, interesting life. But, yeah, he was the number one... The first ever African American number one pick in the NFL draft, and yep. obviously life changing, and they go through all that, and they 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 build it up to how he gets into the more um, controversial parts of his life with some bad eggs around him, and they you can see yep. the slow build. It's like oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, and there is ultimately a happier ending to. Uh, to the story, which I have yet to watch, but I know about. So it's a story about redemption uh, and uh, it's just, yeah, fascinating. We always say it, they could do an ESPN on paint drawing and it would be beautiful and cinematic and this is no different. But uh, definitely if you like good stories, this is a great one, the Michael Vick story on uh, ESPN's 30 for 30. But Brooksy, let's get into the National Rugby League. Tell me things. What's going on? Well, we've had a few things come up in the past few days, Shnaz, since we've been we've done our previous podcast. Uh, so what we found out is there's a survival package for the NRL team. So the NRL will be giving the clubs $40 million um, over the next month, which will mean each team will receive about two and a half grand. There's been a few other things that two have been brought million. to light in terms of... Yeah, two and a half million. Yeah, two and a half grand. What would you do if you were a club schnaz with two and a half grand? What would you do? I give it straight to what Gary would you Dover. Spend it on? Gary Dover in the media department of sharks. Yep. So do you reckon he can turn that two and a half grand into two and a half mil? I think Gary can do anything he puts his mind to. <laughs> anyway, that was a that was a nice diversion from a mistake. Um, but yeah, the so the NRL are uh, some stats about their plan. Uh, they're going to reduce operating costs by fifty three percent. There's going to be a 95% reduction in staffing levels during this shutdown period. So it, skeleton staff and still missing some bones there by the look of it, Shnaz. That's pretty thin. Yeah, it is. Um, and a 
25% pay cut for uh, executive salary. So it's, I don't know. I saw the Landys on Fox League Live yesterday and he, again, came across pretty impressive in terms of what the NRL needs to do to help get the league back up and running. Like we've seen some uh, articles out there about the relationship with the RLPA and what's going on in the negotiations at the moment. Uh, sounds pretty pretty good. Like transparency's been the buzzword um, this week. Unprecedented was last week. This week it's transparency. Uh, yeah. So yeah, by the look of the requests that the uh, NRL, uh, the RLPA, have put forward, like Volandis was ticking a good chunk of them off. Like going, yep, we'll accept that. Yep, no problems at all. Like it seems, it seems pretty positive. What's going on? Yeah, on on one of the episodes I saw of Fox League, League Live, they had him on, and uh, it, it should also be said he's been really well transparent, but also available for the media, which is fantastic. Yeah, especially in these times where a lot of people are worried and concerned about the competition. Uh, yeah. He read out the sorry. I think Paul Cantor, one of the guys at Fox, read out the demands. Dan Ganane. Dan Ganane. Yeah. Read out the the demands, and Volandi's answered them yes, no, maybe, just off the top of his head, and they seem like very <laughs> like, agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Welcome it. Agreed. Yeah, and it seemed <laughs> very honest. Like it was, it was very positive. Yeah, and it's not they're not answers that you're going to hold him down to because you know he's just saying what he thinks will happen. He wasn't guaranteeing anything at all, but. You know, when you hear players and player associations demanding things, everyone sort of goes, whoa, we've been through this, this is a bit heavy. But yeah. the things they were demanding, they didn't seem too unreasonable to me. And particularly in this day and age where everybody, including players, are, are worried about their next paycheck, uh, a lot of it seemed quite valid. And it's all about how you address mm-hmm. things. Like, I think that they're doing it the right way through the association. I, I don't want to see yeah. one more interview with one more player, even if they're prompted, talking about incomes and what they should be getting and what they are getting. And I know, I know, you know, for example, Fox League Live, they have, what, five or six players on a day usually. And the question will sometimes come around to, hey, Wade Graham, you know, what do you think about this? What do you think about player cuts? But I'm happy for the association just to address it because it's, it's more professional. Yeah. It's one voice and... For all the people struggling out there, they don't really want to hear about players doing it tough. Well, that's... And the thing, too, like, whenever there's a negotiation in terms of finances, too, like, having the NRL be open with what's being... what's coming into the organisation is key. Like, if you hold that back, then the RLPA is going to assume what's being made. They see, you know, uh, Todd and Peter Volandis flashing around in cars and whatnot. They see... Uh, reports in uh, papers saying that they're potentially on this sort of money and getting these sort of kickbacks. If it's all open, the negotiation process is going to be very smooth. And that's that's the thing I think is key going forward, that we need to get to, the, to agree so the players can get out on the field and play. It's going to totally change the, the environment, the NRL rugby league environment, after this is all said and done, Shaz. And having, having it open and having... Volandis and Greenberg and Newton there discussing how to take the league going, how to, how to take the league forward um, in 2020, 2021. Uh, it's important. You see some of the things that the demands of the RLPA were quite interesting. One in particular, Schnaz, the RLPA wants direct involvement with the broadcasters for the broadcast deal. 
and also the scheduling of games. So that's going to that's gonna open a few things. I'm intrigued to see what the players want in terms of the broadcast deal, like what's going to benefit them. And yeah. I also... The schedule is going to be a good one too, Shnaz. What do you think? What do you think that means? Does, players... that, does that mean? Does that mean Brooksy, they want to have like less five day turnarounds? Does that mean they want to have a say on how well, many rounds there are? What are your thoughts? Well, that's what that's what I was getting at. Like, it's Sorry. going to be something that's probably. <laughs> it's all good. No, no, no. It was. It's going to be something that's probably uh, going to benefit the players more. We've seen in other sports, in the NBA, for instance. Like they have an 82-game schedule over about a five, six-month period. So you're seeing teams that are on back-to-back games. Teams are resting players. They're just they're they're very much trying to um, manage the load of the players throughout the season. Not saying that would have happen in NRL because it is more of a game a week sort of thing. But we want to see the best players out there. We don't want to see as many injuries on the field. We want to see the best teams winning. Um, and and put and being able to put out the as many players as possible. We don't want, and that's great. And sorry, and that's good for the broadcast deal too, because then all the games are going to be good. We're not going to be missing like we're not going to be missing as many players as what we we could do if the schedule was as tight as what it would be. But from the players' perspective, I, I like that. And in the benefits of that is having a good product for the for the viewers at home. Now I've often especially on this podcast, said what my dream scenario is for a season. What's your dream scenario next year when everything's normal, there's no corona, there's no tornadoes, there's no earthquakes, there's no bushfires. Uh, what is your ideal amount of games played or rounds played per year and final setup, origin, whatever? Just give it to me now, Brooksy. Jeez, off the top of my head, like trying to think as you were asking me the question, I'd like, I like, the idea of teams being split up into two sort of sections to promote more rivalry. So yeah. I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't want it done based on the previous year's schedule. I just want to see certain teams play each other twice each year, home and away. Okay. So I'd like probably a Sydney conference and then a um, an outside Sydney conference. So the Sydney teams would play each other twice. You play the other conference once. So I think off the top of my head that would be uh, you play each other once, 15, plus your conference again, which is seven, so 22 rounds, 22 games for the teams. Okay. Uh, obviously, three origins. I'd want the origins on weekends, so they'd be standalone weekends, so that's 25 weeks. I don't mind, which is something that's been tossed up, the wildcard weekend, so that would yeah. be week 26, so 7v10, 8v9, and then a four-week uh, four um, final series. As per how we've got it at the moment, 1v4, okay. 2v3, 5v8, 6v7, um, winner of 1v4. <laughs> Thanks, <laughs> no, go So the only, so we're talking maybe yeah, a couple of weeks, weeks, a couple of weeks shorter, maybe than what we yeah. have now. A rep round weeks. as well. A rep round, definitely a rep round as well. I think that that's been something that we need to look at because I think we're going to look at it holistically in terms of the game as well. Like at the moment, yeah, we're going to look after the NRL, but we're going to look after the Pacific nations as well. That uh, start like they're starting to increase in terms of numbers in the NRL um, uh, for Pacific uh, Islander background, and that's that's key. We're going to build those rivalries just as much as we're going to build the NRL rivalries. So I'm all for Samoa, Tonga, Fiji, uh, PNG, Australia, yeah. New Zealand, getting even England and. Um, Ireland and Scotland and France can play their games um, on that same week on the other side of the world. Just have just have a great week. Yeah, 
and maybe take a game to Hawaii. I don't know. Like I, I love the idea of that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't see it changing too much. But yeah, that would be my sort of thing. You know, it's just two different conferences, but you know, have the same table that we've had, or yeah. like you get it. You don't have like the top four from each conference, but you want South and the Roosters playing twice, Dragon Sharks. You know that Sydney sort build that Sydney rivalry up even more if we're going to keep having these Sydney te- these eight nine Sydney teams in the league. And do you think that there's any sense in just playing uh, the NRL straight through, and then having rep round, Origin, everything else at the end of the season? It's tough. It's it's a real tough one, Shnaz. I I think for I, I'm a. <laughs> I, I'm not 100% a traditionalist. Like, I like to do things and change things up all the time, like whatever it is, mm. you know, to try and work out what could be better or what, what works, what doesn't. I think I, I like Origin being on Sundays. I really enjoy it. I know that maybe maybe we can start with kick, start Origin on a Wednesday yeah. and then two standalone weekends. Uh, yeah, or, or do it the opposite, like the first two on Sundays, the last one on Wednesdays, like that. I can't, I can't see that shifting the postseason. It's going to be hard for a, a player to get up after a final series for an Origin. Yeah, I just, I just find it, and and to think like only like there's only going to be one team that wins a grand final. Yes, there'll be a few of those players in the um, Origin side. But yeah, I, I, I just like how it is. I, I, I just think it's yeah, so. I don't, un- I just don't really want it to change, other than the day. It's so unprofessional the way that the competition gets disrupted. And I know that there's the argument yeah. that, well, the lesser teams with the lesser good players get their shot at making their run to the finals and everything. But I just think it's just super unfair to everyone, to be completely frank. But what do you think? Like, it's not the same, but what do you think of the Pro Bowl in the NFL when they get the best, well, you know, somewhat the best players well, together at the end of the season? They go to Hawaii or Orlando, yeah, I think it is now. That's a bad example because they don't take the game seriously. Yeah, but is that is that why it's not taken seriously? Because the season's done and no, they play this game. Like, would, would Origin be taken as seriously if no, it was? I'm of the belief it's after not, the season. I'm of the belief it's not taken as seriously because they don't. The franchises don't want their players taking big hits and being injured. That's what I think. Yeah, I don't think it's got anything yeah, to do so, with. So. So do you think that mentality is going to happen post-season with teams that go, like they've, they've already got to do, let's say they do the international schedule as well, Shana. So they've got internationals, origins, post-NRL, post or in between NRL and Super League. So what happens? Do, do we lose a bit of that origin aura because the season's done? I think we get a lot of the money and we get a lot of the interest in origin because the season's bubbling along. We're in the middle of the season. Teams are still alive in their season. Did I say season about nine times then? Something like it is. Season, season, season. <laughs> I think that, that that's definitely correct. But when you said that, I also had a vision of everyone being so over that grind of the first 12 NRL weeks. It's like, here comes Origin. Yeah. So, I don't know. I mean, I'm, I've stated it many times. I'm not a huge Origin guy. I, I like the spectacle. I like the idea yeah. of the best of the best. I just don't like what it does to the competition. There's probably no right answer, so I probably shouldn't even have asked you. Nathan, I'm hearing that. Oh, by the way, your name is Nathan. People who don't know Brooksy's first name, it's Nathan. Big big reveal on the show. Nathan, I'm hearing that the women's competition is in disarray like most of the other competitions around the world with the Roosters and the Warriors pulling the pin on their team this year. Yeah, so that means that 
the competition will only go down to two teams, Schnaz, the Broncos and the Dragons. It's disappointing news. Uh, the league was just growing. There was talk of it being a home and away series this year, which it hasn't been the first two seasons. So we're looking at six games leading into a final. Uh, it's just really disappointing. The past two years, the game's grown. We've seen some good origin matches. We've seen some good talent come out of not only the uh, NRLW, but the lower tier levels, the national championships and the Harvey Norman premiership that uh, like Canola Carringbar and South Sydney and North Sydney play in. Yep. It's just, it's just a, a, I guess when you see, I think it costs a team uh, 500 grand to operate an NRLW team over the course of a season. It's just money that these teams just don't have. And the, and you can understand where the Warriors are coming from, being a team that's based over in New Zealand, flying flying over those extra games. It was going to be a home and away series, but it's just it's just really disappointing, mate. And getting to know some of the players over the last few years, absolute legends. They're really good people. Like you saw Sam Bremner's, Bremner's speech during the Perth Nines, how they were just appreciative of playing in the tournament, mm. and um, they were just they just loved being there. They took it really professionally. They they actually put on some really good footy over there, finally dethroned the Broncos, um, who'd won the previous two NRLW premierships. It's just, um, it's just sad to see that we won't be potentially seeing an NRLW season this year. Yeah, there were, there were massive inroads made uh, from both a business and playing point of view in the past year with the competitions that, that uh, the women represented, and it, it's a massive shame. It, it's a step back. I'm, I'm sort of of the belief that they can make that ground up next year should everything be normal as it was uh, last year because the product was good, yep. the, the players super professional, uh, the media really behind it. So hopefully we can get back to that point in this crazy world we're living in. Maybe there'll be more teams by then, I'm not sure. Maybe that'll give enough buffer to maybe make it a, a bigger competition, hopefully. Yeah, the disappointing thing too, like seeing the Roosters pull out like, you had teams like South and Cronulla Schnaz that were keen, you know, you know the Sharkies were keen. Yeah. I mean, they, were, um, they were playing games against the Dragons a few years ago, a Nines game and an and a actual 13-a-side um, game. Like, it just, it's just sad to see because we talked about the Sharkies' financial situation as well. Maybe they would have been able to put a team in this year if it got to the stage where a league was up and running. But, yeah, it's... It, it's it's hard. It's hard. So, like, yeah, I'm disappointed. I worked on a bit of it too the last mm. few years and it was mm. fun doing it, fun promoting the league and, like I said, got to meet a few of the players and, and coaching staff as well. Daniel Lacey's come out and said, like, he wants to see the competition still go because there's so many people that it, that it affects by not having that competition running. Yeah, I mean, I got to work on a few games too and when you watch it really closely, it is a, a really... Uh, a very competitive performance that these people put put in and and you, you could just see there were superstars coming out of that competition being put on a pedestal and rightly rightfully so being placed in the media through different networks and um, hopefully next year they can they can keep building on that and this year is just I don't know I, I don't know what this year is to be honest in, in all walks of life but Brooksy yeah exactly Getting a bit more positive, the place where we work, Fox Sports, they have a Fox League channel, which is still up and very much alive and quite, vibra qu quite vibrant. Uh, and it reminds yeah. me, actually, before we go on, last night, Shanaz, emotional at the best of times. 
depending on who you ask. Uh, brought to tears by the stories from one. Tears? Tears, yeah, yeah. Happy tears. Michael tears. Ennis, old clapper himself. Uh, you know, on, the sh- on, on League Life Live especially, there's room for stories to be told. There's, there's room there in between the interviews and the ad placements, etc., for the talent to tell their really great stories. And last night, Mick Ennis took us on a 20-minute story about the 2016... <laughs> oh, by the way, I think your, micro- <laughs> your microwave's ready or something by me, Brixie. That was my phone. Yeah, the tw- sorry. Guys. 2016, uh, Michael Ennis, Cronulla Shark story. Stories that even myself, the biggest Cronulla Sharks fan in the history of the world, had not heard. The way he told it was so beautiful and passionate. And I urge everyone to... I don't know if it's going to be replayed today, but seek it out however you can seek it out. Because KO, it's on the socials. It's on yeah, yeah. yeah, I was watching it, Schnaz, and I alerted you to it. You I did. thought it was going to be a bit of a tearjerker for all you Sharkies fans. Oh, my um, God. But, yeah, it was great going through each game, wasn't it? Like yeah. going through the Canberra game, going through the Cowboys game, going through the grand final, the lead-up, the post-match. Like, it was just great. And it's, that's the sort of content that league fans want to see. Like, particularly in these times, like, see, go back, going over those games and, and reliving all those awesome memories that we have of his fans. I have to say, uh, Mick put the club in a bit of strife when he was talking about the post-game celebration party. Uh, I was lucky enough, and I say that extremely seriously, lucky enough to be at the uh, players' function afterwards. And while it got a little bit busy and there were certain people in there, I thought, eh, how'd you get in here, including myself? I don't remember the crowd bursting through. So I don't know if that was, if I missed that bit or that was a story I'd never heard. Shnaz, you were 14 shoeys deep by that Ooh, stage. You wouldn't yeah. even known who was in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come yeah. on, that was, 50, that, was, that was 50 years worth of celebrating right I, there. I remember, so, I remember it about... Three in the morning. I'll give you a pass on that one. Three in the morning. I remember Ricky O appeared, and I was hugging him pretty, pretty uh, forcibly. I also remember uh, I was harassing three o two. Schnaz kicked out of the league club. Yeah, at about four o'clock, I was harassing uh, the Shep, the assistant coach, who uh, was also a school teacher of our mutual friend Brendan Woodbridge, and I was harassing him at four in the morning. Not about the Sharks winning the comp, but about our fellow colleague. Anyway, you should be watching this show because it brings up amazing memories and stories. Moving forward, there's a new uh, show of sorts called Fox League Classics. Is that right, Brooksy? Fox League Classics Fox Live. Fox League Classics shows. Live. So tell yeah, us. So our commentators going in, uh, calling old classic games. Uh, there's been a few tossed up early on, but. Shnaz, what would be some of the games that you would love called from Vossi, Danganane, Was, Brandy? Yeah, uh, well, the first one that comes to mind, for whatever reason, was the 98 finals game between the Eels and the Dogs at the SFS, which went for 114 years. And it includes, <laughs> it includes uh, the great Paul Carriage moment. which Former Steelers, great. Was he really? Yeah, yeah, he started at the Steelers. Well, he finished at the Eels. No, I don't, actually don't know where he finished. But um, boy, oh boy, he stars in that game. But I would love to hear Vossi... For all the wrong reasons. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to hear Vossi call that game because I reckon his mind would just blow up on air. 
and hopefully we'll get to that. We'll see. And yeah, from a personal point of view, uh, my favorite game of all time, aside from the 2016 Grand Final and Final Series, is the 1989 playoff for fifth spot featuring Cronulla v Brisbane, a star-studded Brisbane, pretty much the Queensland Origin team at Parramatta Stadium on a Tuesday night. I'd love to hear any of the guys call that now. I uh, don't know if I'll get my request through, but yeah. um, what about you? You must have a plethora. Well, I've got a... I've got a 1989 game as well, Shane. The Panasonic Cup, the midweek competition Ooh, yeah. that existed back then. It was the final, the Steelers v. the Broncos. It was the biggest game as a Steelers fan. I was seven. I remember watching it. It was a, I think it was a Wednesday night. It would have been. Um, stayed up, stayed up late. Um, the Steelers were getting thumped early, 16 nil. But the little, the little battlers we were back in the day, we we came back. We ended up going down 22 to 20. It was just some of the highlights uh, of my early Steelers fandom, uh, watching UK imports, Steve Hampson and Andy Gregory run out for us that year. It was the birth and the rise of the Spaghetti Brothers, Neil Pincinelli and Dean Schifoletti. We saw Wishy, Brett Rodwell, like some of those, uh, John Simon, like some of those guys starting to come through around that era. Um, I don't think John Simon played in the game. There was Jeff Hardy. I remember Ian Russell. It was just, it was just a great uh, Steelers era uh, and was this the catalyst of the success that came in the next few years, mm. which leads me to the other game I want to see, Shnaz, mm. because it could be one of the greatest stitch-ups in um, premiership history. Right. It's the major semi-final between 1992 between the Steelers and the Dragons. The Steelers and the Dragons playing for a spot in the grand final to play the Broncos. And uh, Greg McCullough, man, must have been on the take pretty hard that game. Three disallowed Steelers tries that were clearly tries. Two to Brett Rodwell. Awesome short balls offloads. Unfortunately, were brought back because of forward passes. And then the, the cherry on top was a late try to Alan McIndoe that was disallowed by an in-goal touch judge, Schnaz. An in-goal touch judge. Remember those... I remember what, them fondly. What were they? Oh, so what you're saying thank goodness is, they went. what you're saying, I now have it on record, is you're yep. saying Greg McCallum was on the take either by the Dragons or the Rugby League Department, known as the ARL then? And I, uh, and New South Wales yes, Rugby yeah, League. Okay. Yeah, it was just before the ARL. And you're, so, saying, you're saying he was uh, on the take? Oh, mate, as as the great Jeff Toovey once said, there needs to be an investigation. Mm. Somebody's mm. got to be made accountable. Okay. This is this is such a fork in the road for the Steelers organisation. We could have been in our only grand final. <laughs> the, I'm I'm sure they would have preferred a Brisbane St George grand final over Ooh. a Brisbane Illawarra final. Brooksy. and that's where like it was evident by the decisions that were made that day. Yeah. Um, I stand by it. I, I have no evidence whatsoever. But um, Greg McCullum, if you're listening, I'd really like to know what you were thinking, disallowing those three Steelers tries. You absolutely tore the heart out of a, a region, a fan base, and. And it pretty much started the sign-off of the death of the Elora Steelers. So, on you, Greg. Hope you're well. Now, you've just come across as one of those fools on social media. That's what you just fools. sound like. Fools. No. You've got to say... I'm going to tweet out the highlights of the game. Well, you no. Make, what, what you need to do is... You make you your own go, perception you to, on what happened. You need to go talk to uh, whoever's in programming. Is it Higo? I don't know who's in programming. 
and you need to get the game on air. I also want to see you do the presentation before and after, get rid of Ennis or whoever else is lined up to do it. I want you to do it. And in fact, I want you to be the color commentator on it. And then you can be one of those people on social media now on pay TV. No, it's all good. I don't need to call it. I saw it with my own eyes. I know exactly what went down. Right. I don't need to say well, anything tweet more it out. about it. Tweet it out, but Brooksy. In all honesty, tweet in all out. honesty, I'm just having a laugh. It's oh. um, <laughs> it's pretty funny. But no, it it. But in this, you're having a laugh, but on, so, on the, on the like sky, very I can see tears coming down your eyes. It's, it's very disappointing. Like to watch that back and go, "What was he thinking? There were three <laughs> clear tries." Like. God damn it. Like we could have been in the grand final, which we would have probably lost 38 to 4 the next week. But we still would have been in the grand final and we still might be around today. So, Brooksy, that leads us into the subject matter for the next episode we're going to do. And that is the 25th anniversary of the start, more or less, of Super League. Yeah, the, the war that uh, really hammered the league. Uh, I think it's a good opportunity for us to have a chat, Shnaz, about rugby league give people some insight that weren't around as league fans back then where the league was sort of headed post uh the 1980s look at all the expansion what led to super league the events of super league i think it's going to be really good we can share some stories as fans in that era um, also uh, stories of friends who, who had teams that were affected players stories all that sort of stuff It'd be good to get people to write in some of their own recollections and memories from that era too what do you think i think that's a great idea so let's get everyone to write to us at league life nrl we're on all the social medias that you can think of well most of them anyway and we want to hear about your experiences your memories your thoughts and how you look back on it now whether it's to do with your team or the competition and sport in general uh and we're just gonna have a bit of a chatter about it Um, we both lived through it and uh a lot of things could have gone differently for different teams, which we'll talk about, including your beloved Steelers and my beloved Sharks, actually. Yep. So it's very personal to us. And uh, it shaped the way that the media would cover the game as well. It changed a lot of things. for And for a long time, yep. it was a, a very bitter pill for people to to try and swallow. So we're going to get into that. And uh, I, There was definitely some steps forward and steps back, right? So yeah, we're gonna, it's going to be interesting to see yeah. what we thought and having having a read up on some things and getting some um, getting some opinions based on what what went down. So yeah, it should be fun. Yeah, we'll cover both the uh, positives and negatives, which we try and do on this show. I think the world's coming to the end. You're telling me it's not, which is fantastic. Uh, Brooksy, <laughs> I'm going to do some uh, work because it's now about eight forty-five and it's almost nine o'clock. Uh, for us to go back to the office. So I look forward to to potting with you soon about the Super League. And thanks to everyone for yep. listening. We re- really appreciate it. We uh, we see that you're listening and we see your socials and we uh, really appreciate the kind words and we hope that we're giving you some joy in these dark times that we're living in. Yep. You just yawned when I said that. I could see you yawning. Oh, did I? <laughs> I hope that's not the basis of our audience. Yeah. Brooksy, I can't wait to catch up again. Yeah, can't wait, mate. Should be a good one tomorrow. All right, take the, take care until then, and I will see you, see you later. Marcus, bye for now. That's...